Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10 5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Well, probably right around a month from now. My next guest will be writing his first official stories of the 2023 Notre Dame football season with the Irish playing in week zero. The Irish should start training camp probably in late July. We'll find out soon enough. Tyler Horka is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. So do you have that first question for Marcus Freeman ready to go? You know what? I've got about four weeks, like you said. So, uh, no, I do not. But uh, I will plug something really quickly. I actually yeah. sat down with Jack Swarbrick today, which is Wednesday, obviously, while we're taping this and putting this out on the radio waves. So look for uh, probably five to seven stories at blueandgold.com just from a 30-minute sit-down with the Notre Dame Athletics Director. So, that should be able to hold me over until camp starts, and then I'll uh, you know, shift my attention to Freeman a couple weeks from now. Leaving Notre Dame, Bavacqua, apparel deal, future of Notre Dame football. Gee, there's nothing to talk about <laughs> with Mr. Swerbrick, <laughs> so I can't wait for those stories. Exactly. You'll, you'll see those very soon at blueandgold.com. Yes. Let's dig into a little football conversation. Tyler, I was talking earlier in the program about some of the question marks on offense and if this offense can be a lot better than last year's unit. First off, we know the quarterback position is in better hands, so that's an obvious one. But I'm curious what you think. You've got Jared Parker as the play caller, and it's a little still bit of a mystery if he was heavily involved in play calling at West Virginia. Do you feel like he could be the biggest question mark on offense? Is that a fair label? Question mark, X factor, uh, fill in the blank, whatever you want to call him. I think he is that guy because I wrote at blueandgold.com just this week, uh, the CBS sports report. Uh, I thought it was very interesting that they, they really keyed in on six schools, three offensively, three defensively of which programs are going to make the biggest leaps from one year to the next. And, they said Notre Dame is going to be one of the most improved offenses in college football in 2023. And then you click on the story and basically they could have explained their reasoning and their rationale in two words, one name, Sam Hartman. And I kind of, I wouldn't say fired back against that, but you know, played a little devil's advocate and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now there, there's a lot of moving parts to this Notre Dame offense. And it starts at the top, even above Sam Hartman. And that's, the guy that you bring up here is Jared Parker. Look, 
this could be the first year of several really, really good ones for Jared Parker. This is the opportunity that quite simply makes or breaks his career. I mean, if he takes this opportunity and runs with it, he's going to be an offensive coordinator for a long time. He might even be a head coach. He's going to be calling plays for however long he wants to in this profession. If it doesn't work out and it crashes and burns, and I'm not saying it's going to be that way, but anything is possible in college football, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing is a given. Uh, Then obviously this could be a detriment to his career and I mean, he was coaching tight ends at this time last year. He could go back to that. It might not be at a place as highly thought of and uh, sought after by people in his profession as Notre Dame. So I think, like you said, question mark, X factor, whatever you want to call him, a lot of what happens for Notre Dame this season offensively is going to come down to the way not only he calls plays, but just the way he oversees the entire operation. This is a huge step up for him. He's no longer rolling out Michael Mayer and saying, hey, man, throw the ball to to this guy. He's pretty good. He's got to come up with a way for Notre Dame to score points and and score more points than teams like Ohio State, teams like USC. Clemson has a five-star quarterback who's going to be a lot more comfortable this year. It's going to be interesting to see the way he navigates that. Yeah, I mean, Parker takes over an offense with no Michael Mayer, who was the number one target by far last year. Logan Diggs, 1A, 1B, whatever you want to call him. He's now at LSU. And I even think back to the start of last year, I thought the offensive line would be dominant from the get-go, and I thought it took them a little time to get going, and there were ups and downs throughout the year. And you look at this offensive line with a new offensive line coach and two new offensive guards, I guess we really can't take anything for granted at this point. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, An offensive line, you kind of look at it in 20% segments, and you think, okay, Joe Alt's 20%, and he's solidified. He's awesome. He might be the best tackle in college football. Blake Fisher is really kind of just – I look at him as a sophomore almost because of all the time that he missed as a freshman two years ago with the knee injury. I think he's going to be really, really good this year. If everyone remembers, Blake Fisher was supposed to be Joe Alt before Joe Alt became Joe Alt. So (laughs) if Blake Fisher is that guy, then there's another 20%. There's 40%. But then you look at the offensive guard spots and you're like, oh, man, there's another 40% that is kind of a huge gap right now. I mean, you're banking on – a sophomore and Billy Strauss, as it stands right now from what we saw in the spring, to be another 20% component to that. He's never played a single snap at the college level. Andrew Kostovic has played quite a few of them, mm-hmm. hundreds of them. But this is a kind of new role for him, too. You're asking him to line up and say, okay, play next to Blake Fisher and Joe Alt and be not as good as them, but make sure there's no downfall. And that's kind of a lot of pressure for a guy that's really only played in spot duty for the first four years of his career. So, yeah, I mean, I look at the offensive line as a situation where uh, Sam Hartman struggles with pressure, and if you're going to be able to stunt and blitz your way through the middle of the Notre Dame offensive line, it could be another one of those situations that you alluded to, Darren, where you think just because it's Notre Dame, they're going to be really good along the offensive line right from the start. But I wouldn't be surprised in games against NC State and uh, Central Michigan even if you're sitting there saying, whoa, what the heck, how are these teams putting pressure on Sam Hartman? Well, the blueprint's out there right now. Uh, attack the middle. Don't go. Don't try to blitz your way and, and edge rush <laughs> your way around Alt and Fisher. Go right through the middle of it, and if you can get to Notre Dame's six-foot-one quarterback who doesn't have the legs of a Caleb Williams or the escapability of a Drake May, 
then that's how you're going to do it. So I think that's a really interesting part of this season for Notre Dame as well. Blue and Gold's Tyler Horkham, I guess, talking Notre Dame football. How would you describe what a successful season is or successful production for the tight end position? It's a bit of a mystery right now. Yeah, I, I think that you've got to ask two or three guys. I don't know if you want to go all the way down to four, but you might have to. You might have to ask four guys to just kind of come up with a similar stat line as Michael Mayer had himself last year. And I had all day to look this up, but, but I didn't. But you know the numbers. I think he caught somewhere around 70 passes for close to 900 yards and uh, you know, upward of seven, eight, nine touchdowns. So if you can get Kevin Bauman to chip in here and Mitchell Evans there and even Eli Raritan and Holden Stays, the two sophomores, to kind of get around that, I mean, 50, 60, 70 catches, maybe even upward of 1,000 yards and, and upward of double-digit touchdown receptions, then you've kind of done your job. Because if you look at it last year, it was Michael Mayer and then nobody. I mean, Mitchell Evans caught what was it, three passes for 39 yards and a touchdown in mm-hmm. the Gator Bowl, and Notre Dame needed every bit of that to win that game. Uh, but then the rest of the season, it was you didn't ask any other tight ends to do anything in the passing game because Michael Mayer was able to do it all for you. Now, I do think if you did have like a Tommy Tremble or somebody that could actually come in and give you 20, 25 catches throughout the season, then Mayer probably would have been even better. I think you're looking at a – definitely a first-round selection in the NFL draft. I think he should have went in the first round anyway. That's another story, but uh, you're looking at a guy that would have had less pressure. So it's definitely going to be by committee this season. And then another thing that they have to figure out with the tight ends is just the run-blocking duties. I think Eli Raritan is probably the best run-blocker, but he's coming off his second ACL injury in as many years, so you don't know what that does to his physicality and, and things in the trenches like that. So you got to find somebody that can, that can really run block because Holden Stays and Kevin Bauman really struggled in that area last year. Mitchell Evans was okay, but he wasn't a Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer was the second-best run blocker on this team on the entire Notre Dame offense, according to Pro Football Focus, right behind Joe Alt. And you just heard me talk about Joe Alt. So if you're in the same sentence as Joe Alt as a blocker, you're doing the right things. Michael Mayer was that guy. So not only do you have to make up for his – absence in the passing game but you got to make up for him as a blocker as well because he was the total package Hmm. let's go to defense what is a bigger concern for you as you project what this Irish defense might look like Notre Dame facing a powerful rushing attack or a big play passing game Mm, that's a really good question and I think it's almost dead even I would probably lean towards wanting to face if you're Notre Dame you don't want to face a really potent passing attack because that can put a lot of strain on the back end obviously but I just think the personnel that Notre Dame has back there with a true number one corner in Benjamin Morrison I think if Cam Hart is healthy he's going to be really good the safety position worries me a little bit but I'm no more worried about it this year than I was last year I mean Brandon Joseph was supposed to be All-American level. He just wasn't. So if you take that into consideration as hindsight is twenty twenty, knowing what he was, I think the safety situation is actually pretty similar now as it was compared to last year. And Morrison is a year older. Mickey is a year older. 
Clarence Lewis is a senior now. You add Thomas Harper from Oklahoma State who can play some nickel for you. Mickey and Lewis can play some nickel for you even as well. So I kind of like what Notre Dame has in the secondary. Now, again, that doesn't mean I would rather Notre Dame face Caleb Williams and <laughs> or, or Ohio State and Marvison, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, and whatever five-star quarterback is going to be throwing them passes. But if it comes to a situation where – like, like, for example, think of Michigan the last couple of years and the two years that they've made the college football playoff and just the way that they could steamroll opponents by running the ball. I mean, it's the way they beat Ohio State a couple of times, and we all saw that Notre Dame could not beat Ohio State last year. I think Notre Dame would get rolled right now against a team like that. Now, there's a lot of time before the season to kind of sure some things up, but I just don't see the personnel that Notre Dame can run out there and just and just stand up physically. And, and I know that Notre Dame is supposed to be the team, you know, supposed to have the identity to do that. Marcus Freeman is reaching for it right now. But, uh, as it stands, just with the personnel that Notre Dame has right now, I mean, Darren, would you want to go in and face Michigan when it's running its best and running its way right into the college football playoff? I know I would. I know Ohio State's been all about throwing the football, but those two running backs scare the daylights out of me coming up in September at Notre Dame Stadium. Talking Notre Dame football with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Fighting Irish Beat reporter Tyler Horka here on WSBT Radio. Pro football focus, I think both of us use them a lot during the season. Great job of breaking down the game analytically and passing along some good stats on the Irish and other college football teams preseason ranking for Notre Dame by pro football focus number 11 fair ranking I think it is and if I were a Notre Dame fan I'd actually take it because I wouldn't be surprised if you know some of the actual pollsters the uh, the coaches and uh, the media like myself who vote in the polls uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're closer to the 15 um, spot in those rankings so to be number 11 to be just outside the top 10, I, I think that's like the perfect place to be um, for any team in any poll because if you lose a game early, well, they'll just slide you down and you'll still be ranked somewhere in the 20s and you have every opportunity to stay in the rankings. But if you win and Notre Dame wins against Ohio State on December 23rd, then all of a sudden you're knocking on not just top 10 territory but top 5 territory. And just in terms of the question of is it fair – uh, yeah, I kind of think that's where Notre Dame is living right now. You look at last year's polls, I think they finished 18th in the Associated Press poll at the end of the year with a 9-4 and record. And if you think Sam Hartman is good for a couple more wins, I mean, if, if Notre, I, I wrote up this at BlueGold.com this week as well. If Notre Dame has Sam Hartman on last year's team and, and everything else is equal, the team is the exact same, I think Notre Dame beats Marshall. I think Notre Dame beats Stanford. Notre Dame goes 10-2 and and then possibly wins a bowl game and and maybe wins 11 games. So that's just what he does for you as a quarterback. Now, of course, some other things have changed going into 2023 as opposed to 2022. You don't have Logan Diggs anymore. You don't have Isaiah Foskey. You don't have Michael Mayer. So this is a different team. But if you just add Hartman into the mix, then, yeah, absolutely, I think they're a top-15 team, and we'll see if – Hartman can do the rest and, and make them a top 10 team to where, because if you're a top 10 team, you're beating some Ohio States and Clemson's and USC's. You probably go two and one in those games as opposed to one and two, like they did last year. So we'll see if Hartman makes that difference. Here are my three big surprises from that pro football focus preseason top 25. 
Alabama at two, based on the fact Tyler Buckner could be their starting quarterback. We know the talent throughout that program, but I, still a lot of question marks if he's the guy or if the other two are the quarterbacks. Yeah. I think that's a major question mark for a team to be number two in the country. Your Longhorns at five surprised me a little bit, and Phil Dracovic's <laughs> Panthers of Pittsburgh at number 25. Those were the three shockers yeah. for me. Yeah, I mean, we've looked at this Notre Dame schedule up and down and sideways for months now because it's all we can do. And thank God there's less than two months remaining <laughs> until the season starts, so we can actually start thinking of these games uh, on the football field as opposed to on paper or through a screen. But never when I was looking at the schedule did I think, oh, yeah, Pittsburgh, that's going to be a ranked game for Notre Dame late in the year. So I think that one definitely surprised me. And then, I mean, Darren, let me just say this really quickly. I hate when outlets like this throw Texas in the top <laughs> five. And I know PFF is doing it purely on analytics and what yeah. Texas has and, and all the talent and whatnot. So you try to get optimistic, but I mean, you look at the last 15 years of this program and you're like, Texas is not a top five team. What are we doing here? So are things going to be different this year? I don't know. We'll see. That'll probably be answered in week two when they face Alabama, like you said. And if Alabama really is the second best team in the country, then a lot of answers for both of those programs will come um, on September, whatever it is. Of, I think it's the weekend of my birthday. It might yeah. be on my birthday. I'm not sure. Quinn Ewers versus Tyler Buckner. Get your popcorn ready, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, everyone everyone had that uh, matchup a couple of years ago, right? I mean, how many minutes into the game will Saban be screaming at Reese? That's what I'm really curious about. <laughs> Instead of Reese well, yelling we'll at Pine, time. Reese is going to get it on the other end, yeah. I, I have a feeling, oh, yeah. a few times this year. Hey, finally, just really quick, I know the Irish – Women's basketball team, we know they're going to play Tennessee in the ACC-SEC Challenge. They're playing South Carolina in France. And we also know when healthy, they are capable of playing with anybody in the country. Based mm -hmm. on the team they have put together, now we have not seen the new parts and Olivia Miles healthy. So we're a bit in the dark here. But do you think there's a good chance Notre Dame will be better this year than last year? And I'm basing last year on when they were healthy. Yeah, I think they're going to be right about the same because it comes down to the post play. And if you look at it, Notre Dame is probably actually a little worse in the post right now than they were this time last year. I mean, Lauren Ebo was so good out of the transfer portal from Texas. Uh, she's the reason why Notre Dame made it out of the first weekend of the tournament. Um, again, they weren't fully healthy at that time, missing two starting guards. But uh, Kylie Watson is going to have to take on such a – huge role in the post for Notre Dame this year. She was really nothing more than a role player, even though she started pretty much every game last year. So there's a lot on her shoulders. And then the only way that Neil Ivey and company bolstered the talent in the post was by bringing in uh, a girl from Pepperdine and TCU, Becky Obinma, who has really only averaged about a handful of points and a handful of rebounds per game in her career. So the post is going to be taxed, but Every year that you give Olivia Miles and Sonia Citrone, and then you just added three five-star players. I know one of them played uh, half the season last year in Cass Prosper, but, I mean, you keep adding a collection of five-stars like that, your team is going to get better and better. So if by the time those girls are done here or, you know, in their senior years, junior years, and the LIB finally find that dominant post player, then boom, instantly Final Four potential, maybe even competing for a national championship. I mean, this team is knocking on the door.
I'd like to see them be a little more efficient from the three-point line this year. That could make a big That's difference true. as well. Look at Emma Emma Rich, who just came in this summer. She instantly is this team's best three-point shooter. I think she's going to shoot the lights out this year. All right, he's Tyler LaHorka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. You teased us at the start of the interview that you'll have a series of stories coming up with Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. Tell us other things you want to let the folks know about what's coming up at blueandgold.com. Yeah, I actually spent all afternoon writing about one of the things I asked Swarbrick about, which was obviously the apparel deal that Notre Dame is going to have finalized. He told me probably in the next month. So there's a little teaser for you there. Uh, A lot of really good background on what he was looking for and what he was talking to with all of these apparel companies. Uh, That's just the first, that's the tip of the iceberg in my conversation with him. So definitely look for that. And then, I mean, just the way that we've covered basketball news that came out today with the schedule and recruiting on the basketball front. Um, I think that even in the dog days of June, we're covering Notre Dame athletics like nobody else. And then, I mean, this Swarbrick interview, I think it's going to blow a lot of people away on a lot of fronts. So I can't wait to start rolling out that content. That's quite a tease. And he is Tyler Horka. You can check him out at blueandgold.com. And you can also listen to him each Wednesday at 6.05. Joining me here on Budweiser's weekday sports beat during the offseason. Appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. The next time I talk to you, it'll be July. It's getting closer, Darren. It is getting here slowly but surely. Can't wait. Tyler, thank you much. All right, see you, Darren. You betcha. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Hope you enjoyed that Fighting Irish conversation. Wet your whistle a little more as we get set for that first game, August 26th over in Dublin, the Irish and the United States Naval Academy, 2.30 kickoff here on WSBT Radio, kickoff 7.30 p.m. over in Dublin. 628 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 